What up, guys? What's happening? Welcome to the 152nd episode of Creating Space. Really excited about this one. But before we do that on Mindset Monday, I started to ask you or challenge you really to start asking yourself uh, more probing questions to really start to think critically about you and your life and where you want to go and what you want to do and so on and so forth. So before we even get started with this awesome podcast with Amelie Karam, I want to ask you a single question. The question is, and I want you to stop and think about this, and I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to really stop and think about that. The question is this, who in your life right now has your back? Who is your soldier? Who's the general in your army? Who's the biggest champion in your life? What I challenge you to do before you get started is to text that person and tell them you're grateful for them. And I want you to tell them why you're grateful for them. And I want you to let them know how much you understand and are appreciative of the role that they play. That's my challenge to you. Open up, communicate with someone today that is so important in your life, and maybe they don't even know how you feel about them. So without any further ado, Let's jump into Amelie Karam. She travels the world and talks to baby boomers and educates them on millennials, how to work with them, how to understand them, so on and so forth. It's a great episode. Amelie Karam is a badass, and she's only just getting started. So shoot the text message, buckle up. Let's get into this 152nd episode of Creating Space. What's up, guys? What's happening? Welcome back to Creating Space. Exciting episode. They're they're all exciting, but this podcast in particular is really cool because I was in Greenville, South Carolina, sitting outside of a a coffee shop there called Caviar and Bananas. And all of a sudden, this blonde-haired girl comes walking by me, and she's got all this cool energy and vibrant, and it's just obvious there's something cool going on. So I introduced myself, and I introduced myself to Amelie Karam, who's on the other side of this line, and Amelie is helping bridge the gap between millennials and baby boomers, really millennials and everyone else in society right now. She travels the world internationally to speak on this topic, and she's got a really incredible story. So with that being said, as I do with all the guests that I get super interested in, I invited her on the show. So today, Amelie Karam, what is happening? Welcome to Creating Space. Thank you, Wes. I'm so happy to be here. It was real cool that that moment outside of Caviar and Bananas. It's like, that's the coolest thing about energy, man. When, when it presents itself to you, when you recognize it, if you are aware to it, first of all, and have the courage to like need it and enter that space, you never know what can come of it. So I'm just really excited to dive a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more and see what's kind of shaped you into this energetic kind of being that you are. Oh, well, thanks. No, I completely agree. It was definitely when we met, I could, it was a similar energy and it was really cool to, to meet someone who was as, as excited as their job and life as I feel like I am. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's cool to slow you down. I think you, I mean, you travel to speak, you got a lot of things going on. You're obviously in Greenville to do that, but you're going to what, Brazil pretty soon? Brazil, yes. Next or this upcoming Monday. 
Holy smokes. Don't speak a lick, lick of Portuguese, but here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, that's exciting. Is, is this going to be the first time you've traveled internationally or at least to South America to give your... Yes, it's my first international speaking gig. Um, and it's for a pretty big conference. It's their 15th annual one. and But I'm excited. So the theme's called We're All Millennials. Um, and so it's just talking about how, which I'm so into it's talking about how we're all so similar even though we have these differences we when it comes down to it we're all so similar so it's definitely in line with with what i believe and my passion and culture so i get that spiel all the time and all oh, this guy wes he's just a millennial he, <laughs> you know is working in this whole entrepreneurial space that no one really understands in the digital age and he, you know he's running away from having to go back to school and get his degree and travel the conventional path. Is that what, is that really what you are um, bridging the gap between baby boomers, so to speak, and millennials? Well, I mean, I think the idea is as millennials, we're definitely, we're more open to taking these risks. And I mean, look at you and look at me, we're both sitting at our houses and different parts of the country and we're, we're chatting and this is our job. This is how we're making a livelihood. And so I think that for millennials, we accept these risks a little bit more than past generations. But I think that if these avenues were available to baby boomers and Generation X when they were our age, they would have taken it too. I don't think these are like new concepts. I think we just have different um, ways to take take control of it. No kidding. Can you imagine going back to the 1950s and <laughs> dropping an iPhone in, in, in the hand of someone in the 1950s? Um, that would have been incredible, but I would enjoy tasting a little bit of the bourbon from the 1950s. That would be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. Um, let's start a little bit earlier. Like where are you from specific, specifically on? So I'm from a place called Texarkana and it's on the border of Texas and Arkansas. So that's where I grew up. I was, um, but I'm from the Texas side as a true Texan is proud of their Texas roots. So um, from Texarkana, and then I went to school. I graduated from Loyola in New Orleans and lived in New Orleans for a bit and then lived in Nashville. And now I'm in Chicago. So kind of all over the place, as many millennials are, we're, you know, we just go where we feel led and I'm, I'm definitely one of them. So so was were you studying um, business? Were you were you studying? I, I know you have a bit of performance in your background. Like, yeah. what was your study? Yeah, so I actually was a theater major. So um, I ended up graduating with a performance and film studies degree, and um, so I have a lot of musical theater in my background, and it's just been really fun. And it's fun because it it really is tailored to what I do now. And I have such a passion for performing and, and how in theater or in any sort of entertainment, you're really exposing the audience to a story that's completely untold. And they might, they get to escape the reality for maybe even two hours and live and learn through someone else's eyes. So, so what is it about storytelling that you love so much? I just, I think it's a great way to realize First off, we all have a story. I mean, Wes, even just talking to you a few days ago, you know, we all have these stories that have shaped us and have made us into who we are. And and the longer we live, the more stories that we will have that will shape us. But I think it's neat with theater um, that you get to see someone else's story and you kind of get to learn about a different time period or a different character or culture that you may have, may have never seen before. 
which is just, it's really cool. And it's, it's allowing yourself to be entertained and escape, but also you're learning and you're getting your eyes open to, to more of the world and more than what you just see in front of you and the bubble you live in. It's so, it's so true. And the art of telling a story is a unique one, man. It is, it is really, really tough to tell a great story and to captivate an audience. But it's so incredible when you get around a great storyteller who can literally you know, manipulate the inflection in their voice. And, and it becomes, like you said, this performance. Yeah. But what is it about the way you tell a story that is unique to you? And, and what, what are you learning right now about the art of storytelling that you're excited to kind of uh, execute when, when you go on these speaking engagements? Oh, man. Good question. Um, I guess for me, when you're telling a story, you have to know why are you telling the story? What's, what's the purpose of that story? And really the point, you're, the theme, the point that you're trying to drive home if you don't, if you don't bring it all to that, then you're just kind of wasting people's time. Um, I mean, they might as well have just not come or read it online themselves, but, you know, really putting heart into the, the moral of the story. And I think that making it available so they can see the point and they can kind of associate what you're telling them with their own life and really bridge that gap. I think that's when you, that empathy comes in and that's when a lot of change happens. So what was it like the first time you stepped in front of uh, of an audience? Uh, were you shaking? Was it easy for you? Were you able to hit flow state? Take us back to that moment. What, when I um, did it as an actor or as a speaker? Uh, whichever one came first. Okay. As an actor. Um, so man, uh, you know, when you're an actor, you're on stage with so many other people. And so it's, you're nervous, but you've rehearsed for months and months and your muscle memory comes in. I'm sure it's the same thing. And, you know, for you in soccer, you just, you go on and your adrenaline's pumping, but you know, you're well rehearsed. You have practiced and practiced for this moment. And just that energy that the audience brings, um, and then your preparedness, it really can create something dynamic. However, a bad audience and having negative energy, when they're not excited to be there, that can also hinder your performance. So, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. So, so how do you, how do you loosen? Because I've been in a couple of audiences before where um, it, it's tight, man, and, and, and they're <laughs> unsure and unfamiliar with you. Uh, and they have probably have these preconceived notions about either the topic or whatever. And you've got to generate trust and you've got to break up that thickness inside of the air. So what do you do when you meet those moments where there's obviously the story inside of yourself where it's, oh man, this is going to be tough. This is tight. You're trying to read their energy. There's, we all know that, that, that moment, like what are the, the things, the tools, the tactics that you use to get you coming down off of that and get back into flow state? (laughs) Um, so I guess I'll speak from when I, when I speak. So, um, you've met me, um, in person and you know, I'm 26, but I look like a, maybe a 15 year old on a good day. (laughs) And so for me, it's really hard when I speak to a group, um, to come out 
and kind of demand their trust and attention. I mean, I'm coming to speak to them for an hour about something that I've done a lot of research on. I'm speaking as a specialist in this field and to gain the trust of all these adults. Um, that was something I really had to work on. And so my mentor gave me the idea of just addressing it at the very beginning. And so I start my speeches with, you probably thought when I walked out that I was your kid's babysitter or your daughter's college roommate. <laughs> and so it kind of loosens the, the energy and people are excited and they laugh because it, I've addressed that I look young. I address that I do not look like I should be speaking right now, but I know that. And now let's get to the point. And so I think humor and really just like speaking the truth, I think that can, that can really help loosen a crowd. And it brings people together, relaxes the room a lot. Uh, it's a great tactic. The obstacle <laughs> is the way, like, yeah. like Ryan Holiday always <laughs> says. That's, that's a great point. Um, a lot of times when I'm opening up some speaking engagements, I'll talk to the fact that you know you, you may read in the headlines that the guy in front of you is a, is a former professional athlete, but the guy in front of you is, has also been suicidal and has mm. also almost taken his life that immediately will create for me it helps me create that that bond that connection and it lowers you sometimes to a level either equal to or less than the audience yeah. so that it can connect uh, you to them we have a lot of millennials it's mostly millennials that tune into this show right now um, and a lot of them are consistently building their businesses online they're building their business through social they're yeah. they're using this new age way to expand and, and increase exposure but they're having a lot of trouble getting in front of that audience hitting the record button and, and chatting is that have you ever had that moment where performing um, whether it be performance anxiety or any issues where you're worried about what people may think, what they may say? Is that something you maybe still struggle with? Oh, sure. I mean, it's always nerve wracking. But for me, which I know is not the norm, I feel when I'm in front of the people, I feel very comfortable. That's just, I've grown up in front of crowds. Um, but for me, when I'm having to do the social media stuff and when I'm having to write blogs or do inter more written interviews, um, that's when I get really anxious. I mean, before I post something on social media, you would think that I was about to go talk to 5,000 people in person. I mean, I get so nervous. Um, <laughs> it put me in front of those people and I feel, I feel okay. And so I think we all have things that we feel more comfortable with, but that's absolutely a normal fear. Um, and I think just addressing that fear and kind of seeing, okay, why do I feel so nervous about this? So for me, posting on social media, which I know sounds so easy and simple, but that I just, am, I don't know much about it. And I know I'm sitting here speaking about millennials, but when it comes to being plugged in online, it's just not something that comes easily to me. And so just addressing the fear and, and why that is there and seeing if there's ways around it. And one thing you said, um, when you and I spoke last week, which has, it has really been simmering in my brain. I, I thought it was the coolest statement is when we were, we were talking about a blog versus a podcast. And you told me, you said, if speaking is something that's easier for you, why would you choose something that's going to hinder your performance? And so I think that's great advice. And I think your listeners should really 
take to that. So find the thing that gives you strength and, and go with that because Wes, that was great advice. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, Doubling down on your strengths, you know, yeah. just at, at any point in life to do more of that, which siphons your energy, that which really deteriorates your confidence is a bad plan. It's a bad <laughs> play in my opinion. I think life is more about chasing your excitement, doing things that raise your vibration. Inherently, once you raise your vibration, you're an, an easier person to be around, you're friendlier, you treat others with more love. But that's that's my own native like strategy. Um, so that, you know, for speakers, I think it's always a good play to start podcasts or to yeah. YouTube channels or, or whatnot. And specifically for yourself, with this unique topic that you have where you're speaking to millennials and baby boomers and you're bridging the gap. Uh, how did you get involved in this topic? <laughs> um, so it's kind of a, it's a weird journey. I can't say I, I followed the rule book. If there is one, I, I've not read it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> oops. <laughs> uh, so I was pursuing, I'd graduated from college and I was pursuing acting and, um, I mean, as you know, being in any sort of thing, I mean, a professional athlete, anything that's not, there's not clear steps to take. It's, it's risky and it, it's challenging. And so I had actually just moved to Nashville. Um, I was working with someone and they said, you should try country music. And so I was seeing, you know, just trying to see any doors that were open to me. And, um, within a month of being there, I just realized this isn't what I want. This isn't, this isn't the life I want. And, um, I I'll give you this example. Cause I feel like you are a visual guy, but I felt like I was standing in front of all these mountains. Um, and I had my backpack full of all the skills that I had acquired over the past years. And I knew I could climb any of the mountains and it'd be really hard to climb any of them. But my question to myself was what view do I want to see from the top? And am I going to get to the top of a view and be like, man, I wish I would have climbed that mountain. And so I sat down one night and I wrote down all the things that really motivate me and things I'm so passionate about. And I picked the top five and I called my dad and I said, okay, dad, how can I make a job out of this? And we just started brainstorming. And my mom, growing up, she always used to tell me and my siblings, if you can find a job that you would do for free, then you're in the right spot. And so it was just kind of trying to find things that I'm passionate about. And is there a way that I could make a career out of this? And so um, always finding it very interesting that we have more similarities than we do differences. I knew that was something I would love to speak on. I also knew I looked 12 at the time. So, you know, <laughs> why is someone going to want to listen to me? And so I started working with um, a speaking uh, coach. His name's Garrison Wynn. And at that time, there were a lot of the millennial topic was definitely starting to pick up, but there weren't a lot of speakers who were millennials, like speaking from our perspective. And so I spent about a year researching and um, just started and created a keynote and have now begun to grow the business. And so now I speak and consult on it. And so it's been really interesting. But I mean, I it all when I think back to what was on the top of my list. Um, I'm really getting to do so much of it because I'm getting to perform. I, I sing in my presentation, which is so weird, um, but it's fun. And I'm getting to travel and, and meet new people and bridge gaps. And so it's it's been cool to see how the things, my, my top five motivating things for me have now 
come to my job. And that's like any advice I give anybody that asks. I mean, really think about what drives you and see if you can create something out of that because it's it's so fulfilling and it's hard, but it's so fulfilling. A passion-filled life is so important and yeah. passions are developed, man. You don't just discover a passion and like you're digging inside yourself and all of a sudden there's this big bright light. Right. You just fall upon it's. It's more of what am I excited about? What really entices um, that fervor and that discovery process, and then kind of leaning into that. And that's such great advice that you mentioned. Um, getting in with people that you know and love, whether that be family or a mentor or a great friend, and having sort of a brainstorming session around those things that interest you, and that those kind of core values are things that you would really love to have be your your sustenance or your lifestyle. So yeah. for those on the other side who are like, ah, I'm excited to do this. I want to sit down and, and engage with myself or they've already done it and they're thinking, what do I do now? What, what would be your advice? Um, or what did you do in that moment where it was like, all right, I know all of the things that I need to do and now I just need to execute? Yeah. So I guess the first thing is don't be afraid of the dreaming part. Um, really look at the things that motivate you and the things that you want to do and throw out all the options. I mean, don't be afraid that, no, that's not, that sounds weird or no, this is the path I want to do. And just really say yes and be open and find people that have those similar skills and, and, um, and talents and reach out to them and learn anything you can. Because I mean, I had no idea what I was going to do, but I knew I had so much to learn. And for me, I, I knew that I would regret, for me, success is regretting not trying something. And that's how I viewed it when I was pursuing acting. And because people would say, oh, well, do you, are you, is your goal to be a successful actor? And for me, it was like, no, my goal is to try it. And so I don't regret it in 10 years. And so the, I, it was the same mentality for, for this and the speaking is I didn't, I knew I had something, but I didn't know what it was, but I knew I would regret not pursuing it. And so just try it. And if nothing comes from it, you won't have the regret of not trying it. Don't be afraid to dream. That's such good advice. Uh, and setting big, hairy, audacious goals for yourself is the best thing you can do. Setting yeah. that barometer so high and breaking through any limiting beliefs that you may have at this moment that may confine you into a box that may keep you um, paralyzed, so to speak. That paralysis by analysis is is real. So, humbly, yeah. incredible advice. Once you started taking uh, steps forward in it, probably there was the fear of like, I don't know how this is going to make me money. I'm trying to hold on by a thread right now. Like, this doesn't make sense. Am I crazy? Were you dealing with that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, try explaining. I, because I, I, I gave myself, I, I studied for nine months. I was waiting tables and teaching a workout class. And I would go every day to this Starbucks and just, I was researching all the different generations and trying to create this thing. And I mean, I would say, Every other day, it was this question of, what are you doing? This is so dumb. Why are you doing this? But I just couldn't stop. I had to try it. And so, yeah, the doubt the doubt was there. The doubt's still there today. Um, luckily, not as often, um, not every other day. But, I mean, it still hits you. Even when you have a good thing going, the question is, how long is this going to last? Or do I really know what I'm doing? And so it's just, you have to just really 
take ownership in what you're doing and and just trust that you're doing something that's meaningful. And if when it when you don't need to be doing that anymore, you're gonna know. Yeah, whew, that's the best advice you can give. You'll know. I get a lot of people asking um, most of the time. The questions are, "How do I know if I should keep going or if I should just quit and move on?" Yeah. Uh, and that's such a tough question to answer. But the feeling, that heart space, you always have an idea whether or not ah, there's more here. I know there's more here. I feel there's more here, even despite when all of the exterior um, motivators, these extrinsic factors, maybe telling me, ah, not quite yet. There's something inside that's like, just keep going. Right. Uh, Would you agree to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's kind of, that's a really scary spot to be in because it almost feels like you're walking in this, you're walking forward in complete fog and you don't know what you're about to step on, but you're just, you're trusting that there's going to be you know, you're going to have footing, um, but you don't know. But I, this is, this is something I tell people and I tell myself this all the time is the worst thing that happens if you take that step and you fall is you're just back where you started. Mm. And Mm. so it's just, I mean, it's scary, but it's kind of just, okay, I'm choose, I'm already choosing a scary path that is not guaranteed. And so I have to be okay with addressing fear often. Yeah, having that relationship with fear is super important. And fear has leveraged me many a sleepless night, many an anxiety-ridden day. Uh, There have been times where I have literally not been able to make very simple decisions simply because I've been overwhelmed with fear. Mm -hmm. However, I'll speak to this. When things have gotten the darkest, when I have felt so close to breaking and just Mm -hmm. dropping everything and leaving it, it seems like without fail, the next day or two days later, some breakthrough will happen. So I'll get a, an email from someone interested in bringing us on or consulting with us. And these magical moments of like, if you'll just keep stepping, <laughs> moving forward, if you'll just keep hanging on, right. something's, something's coming, right? Um, do you believe that to be true in your own journey? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And I mean, whatever it is, whatever faith you have, I mean, I know for me, I'm a very faithful person and just praying that it's it's going to be okay. And And also, the nice thing is when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, you only have one way to go. <laughs> you so can't good. go any farther down. And so, yeah, it's just, I think, just holding on as, as hard and as tightly as possible and seeing what's around the next corner. And I think that if you just can't hold on anymore, then something something's going to present itself and take you in another direction. I, I really don't ever think you're just going to be completely helpless in a situation. It just might not look like what you thought it would look like. Yeah, it just might not look like what you thought it looked like, which a lot of millennials are waking up to now. They, they've been told to walk down this conventional path that worked for other generations, go to school, get your degree, work in that field. And now millennials are waking up like, shit, I do not like this. Right. I am not involved in this anymore. Is that what you're seeing now that you're connecting with more millennials uh, than ever before? You know, I definitely see that. I see that a lot of millennials, you know, we grew up and we saw our parents work in very, um, they worked in the set with the same company for 40 years. And a lot of times their health and then the family dynamic suffered and they worked really hard all the time. And they, you know, we grew up hearing do whatever you want, you know, like chase your dreams. I don't want you to be stuck to a cubicle like me. 
Um, and so it's this idea that the world's our oyster and, and we can really, if you, there's, you know, there, no, isn't even an answer. And you, if you chase it, you can achieve it. Um, but then also I think it's important to realize that just because you want something doesn't mean it's going to be handed to you and you have to work for it. And, and it also might not, because this is your goal is to have this, you have to be open to where that journey takes you. And I think as long as you just, you say yes to that journey, I think that you're going to be really pleased in the outcome. But I think it's when you have this, this idea of no, it's only, it's point A to point B. And that's the only way it's going to go. I think that's when you can have a lot of frustration. The more adversity that you face, the better story that you can tell to wrap it back around to where we began this conversation. When you talk about your story that you are building, that you are cultivating, the message that you are um, transferring from your heart to the heart of others, how would you describe that uh, in a sentence? Um, Well, so I, I, I just think, you know, each of us, no matter when you were born, no matter where you're from, we all have these, we all have unique experiences in our life that have completely shaped us into who we are today. And I find that often in the workplace, you know, people are frustrated with people um, in maybe of a different age, of a different culture, of a different background. And so often, if they understood where the person was coming from, I think so much more understanding would be reflected in that relationship. But I think so. To me, something I feel so passionately about, and in my work, I, I speak about it every time I present. Is it's all about the story, and we all have we all have a story that's reflected in our character. And so, trying to understand someone's story, and I think that can really just help build a more positive workplace and more positive relationships and camaraderie. So you talk about the story, and you talk mm-hmm. about adversity being the, the the powerful points of the story. Unique to your story, what is the most powerful adversity or the most powerful piece of your story that you're able to transfer? Um, so, and I, I talk about this in my in my presentation. So, um, about when was that? Oh, I guess we're coming on five years ago, um, four years ago. I was with my mom, and um, I just graduated from Loyola. And my mom and I were walking our neighborhood, and she said she didn't feel well and she laid on the grass and went into sudden cardiac death. Um, wow. And so for 10 minutes, she didn't have a pulse and three people did CPR and um, the ambulance finally arrived and they were able to shock her back to life. And she, she now has a defibrillator in her chest. And, it, you know, I mean, that I was, I was the only one with her. My, my family was all out of town and that story, those those ten minutes, they were they were pivotal in my life, and they forced forced me to mature far beyond my twenty two years of my life. And for me, they they make me look back on all of my decisions. And now, when I take decision and I make decisions in my life, I really have to think. Um, you know, you realize how precious life is, and you you realize that there's. That this world is so grand and there's so much possibility, but you, you want to do what's, what's precious to you. Um, and you don't really want to waste time with it. And, and so for me, that's how my story really shaped me. And I mean, by the grace of God, my mom survived and she's, she's doing all right. And, um, we're both doing all right, but th- those, 
those few years after that experience, I mean, it was really tough. It was, it was a moment where I had to kind of decide, okay, am I going to let this, am I going to become, am I going to stay who I was, which I can't because I don't feel like that person anymore. Am I going to choose this path of just pain and sadness because that's how I feel? Or am I going to choose to just kind of create a new person with and live more fully and more hopeful? And so, and there's going to be fear and there's going to be pain and this is going to be really hard to get through. Um, but I chose that and it's not always been easy, but that's, that's life, you know? Yeah. First of all, let me say I am massively thankful and grateful that your mother was able to pull through in that. And I can't even imagine the stress that uh, you were going through and subsequently went through after that. I can I can assure you that I'm I do know what it's like though to to go through trauma associated with something similar. So to to go a little bit deeper inside of that. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell tipping point, so to speak. That was the moment, that inflection point where you made an ultimate decision. Mm-hmm. You, you became aware of where you were. Then you became aware or perceptive to where you wanted to go. Then you made the decision to put the foot in the ground and pivot and change your life. And that is all predicated upon mindset, which is what creating space is all about. Mm. So what do you really believe you can attribute to the mindset shift that you had that has subsequently changed your life forever? Hmm. I guess, I guess for me, that mindset was, it was, it was almost like with my mom's life being spared, I felt like we kind of all were able to like have a new life almost. And it was kind of like a reset button. And, um, there, I mean, there were moments where even throughout the, throughout the healing process of that experience, there were moments where I felt like I was right back on that day. I felt just like I had taken 10 steps back. But I, I think the important thing is once you say yes to that change and once you really try to, to live a, a full life, the days where you feel like you've taken 10 steps back, you're still 20 steps ahead of where you started. And yes. so it's kind of like, okay, no, you can do it. This is a really bad day. This is going to be hard. This is, you're, you're full of anxiety today, but you can do it. And you, you're, you're better than where you were at the beginning of this. So good. Like and you become, you become your own mentor, so to speak. Yeah. Thoughts inside of your mind begin to push you and keep you from falling back to where you were before. And um, it really is a game of neurology. Like it is about how quickly can you shift and reframe, change the, the way that you speak to yourself or change the way you move. If you change the way you, your state, you change the way you feel. Right. It's, it's so important to put together systems and processes that help you when the darkness or the, the negative thoughts mm-hmm. and anxiety, right? That cortisol, the adrenaline that starts to run through your, your, your body. Once you learn the tools to, to get out of that, um, then it helps you continue to move uh, further, quicker. What are right. some things? What What are some things in your system, in your process, to help you get out of fear, get out of worry, and get back into gratitude, or get back into ambition, or keep moving forward? Yeah. Um, so I think to me, the very the most important thing that I do that I think anybody can do is allowing themselves to feel that. You know, when you feel anxious, when you feel down, when you feel whatever that is, lonely, it's important to be okay with that and and feel that because you can't 
you can't move past an emotion if you haven't felt that emotion. Right. So that was when throughout the healing thing for my mom, that was something I was, I was taught, you know, it's, it's so important to, okay, I accept that I, I feel anxious right now, or I, I'm not really sure what I'm doing today. And I, I'm going to allow myself to feel anxious. And then, um, I, I'm, you know, naturally with fear, you go to worst case scenario, but the goal for me is when I go to worst case scenario, I have to force myself to go to best case scenario. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm scared that, you know, this company won't, they won't work or all of a sudden I'm not going to have, I won't be able to speak anymore because of this, this, and this. Okay. That's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario is this, this, and this. And so I think for our brains, we need both sides because if you live, you ha- you can't, you can't live on the, you can't live in a complete optimistic world. You can't live in a complete pessimistic world. You've got to like, you have to find that balance um, and that reality. And so, and then also for me being really mindful and, um, and the days where I just need to write down the things I'm thankful for. And even if they're not necessarily the things I should be thankful for, I mean, they might not be the obvious things, but just, okay, like today I'm thankful that it's, it's sunny outside or I'm, I'm thankful that I was, I like woke up in a safe environment and just, I think really finding that gratitude, finding that thankfulness is so important and it just kind of helps neutralize the situation for me. So those are my, my tactics. I guess. So good. If you could take your mindset and the person that you are right now and you could teleport back to that person who had just witnessed that up, that, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. unfortunate event with your, with your mother and you could have a conversation, what would you tell that girl? Oh, wow. Um, I guess I would say, I I guess for me, I would just be with her and just say, it's going to be okay. And you're not alone in this because that's what it, I think that's what, yeah. And like, you're, you're going to come out from this, but you're, you're, you're not alone. So good. And equally, what if right now your 40 year old future self were to come and sit down beside you just after this podcast finishes? What do you hope that 40 year old self says to you? Man, Wes, look at you in these questions. <laughs> um, I guess just don't lose hope and you're working towards something and just be patient. So, with that being yeah. said, your 26-year-old self talking to the Creating Space tribe who probably are really connected to your story in this moment, what words of advice would you give to our audience? I guess I would say find what fills you up and find the thing that every time you do it, you feel like the most true version of yourself. And whether it's a career choice or whether it's even a hobby, chase it because you will feel so much more alive and be patient and be hopeful that it's going to work. Go get that shit, guys. Amelie, this has been a fantastic podcast and I'm so excited that we kind of fell into the same space together in Greenville. I look forward to continue to watching your success, your ascension, watch you continue to build this person. And hey, at 40 years old, I hope we can still have that conversation. (laughs) Where can the Creating Space Tribe connect with you? Maybe watch some of your your speeches, um, reach out to you. How can they do that? Yeah, sure. Um, So I am on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Amelie, A-M-E-L-I-E. 
Karam, K-A-R-A-M, or you can go to my website at AmelieKaram.com. And I'd um, love to hear anything. So Yeah, listen, <laughs> you keep doing your thing. You've got a lot of a lot of light and you've got a lot of gas in the tank. And I can't wait to see you continue to propel yourself and propel others towards chasing their dreams, which is so important. Um, uplifting other people with our platforms, with the stories that we tell, with whatever modality we can to keep helping people learn, grow, and achieve whatever it is they desire is so important. It's a great mission. And uh, I'm just grateful that you would take some time to come on the podcast. Well, Wes, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've loved it. Yep. I told you. Fantastic episode. Amelie is uh, a great performer, really, really high energy, and extremely, extremely knowledgeable in the speaking series space. So for those of you millennials who are trying to get into the speaking series space and you want to know how to do it, Amelie is actually not represented right now and she has maneuvered her entire career on her own. So she's got all the tips, the tricks to navigate that arena and she consults on it as well. So not only does she educate baby boomers, she's also educating millennials to help them get into speaking series and really help them craft their story, craft how to present it, I mean, she is, uh, she's a ticking time bomb of awesomeness, and it's only a matter of time before she pops, before she blows, and the whole world is knowing her name. I, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if we see her uh, on a TED or a TEDx stage here coming very, very soon. So reach out to Amelie in any of her social spaces. Make sure you take uh, a screenshot of this and tag myself and Amelie um, and join us in the conversation. Don't forget as well, if you haven't shot that text message out to the biggest champion, the biggest soldier in your life right now, the person that's really got your back, make sure you do that too, man. Let's press some love today. And with that being said, I'll check you guys later. Later.